We are in the fourth week of our series called Lionheart, and since we have this awesome room of kids and students with us, I wonder, kids, let me ask you, even all the way up through Cal, would you want to join me up here? Could I read you a story? Would you like to come up? I've got like this cool blue carpet here. Do you want to join me up here? It's kind of fun, isn't it? Move around in church. All right. Hi, guys. So I want to ask you a couple questions before I read this story. Uh, The first is, have your parents ever had to get your attention? Maybe you were doing something you weren't supposed to do, and they needed to get your attention. Has that ever happened before? Oh, my gosh. That's a lot. How, How do they do that? How do they get your attention? They They yell at you? Did I use your middle name? Oh, no? Well, it, the, my mom did with me. When I heard Eric Lee, I was like, hmm, like I knew I was sometimes. All right. Depends on how bad maybe the thing is you're doing. Anything else? How, how do your parents get your attention? Mostly just probably maybe yelling at you, raising their voice, but they get your attention, don't they? Yeah, especially when you're doing something you shouldn't do. Let me ask you a different question. Have you ever had to do something nice for someone and you really didn't want to do it? Has that ever happened? Yeah? What do you think? Or do you always like to do nice things for everybody? Is that mostly it? That's good. I know sometimes I do have to do nice things and I don't always want to. Do you ever heard of Daniel in the Bible? The story of Daniel? Remember Daniel in the lion's den? You know that story? Well, there's a different story. We're in chapter 4 where the king has a scary dream, and he needs Daniel to help interpret it or explain it to him. Would you like to hear that story? It's really cool. All right, so you've heard of Nebuchadnezzar, right? Yep, all right, so he's king. So this is how the story goes. And listen up, all you older people as well. You need to hear this as well. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace content and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. And when the magicians, the enchanters, the astrologers, and the diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came to my presence, and I told him the dream. And these are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. This is what Nebuchadnezzar dreamed. He goes, I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land, Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong. Its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant. And on it was food for all. Under the tree, the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in its branches. And and, and, and every creature was fed. I looked and there before me was a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. And he called out to me in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump of the tree and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground and the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals 
among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass. That's like seven years. The decision is announced by messengers. The Holy One declares the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High, that's God, is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone He wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. That was His dream, and it scared Him. And then Daniel replies to King Nebuchadnezzar. He says, My Lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries, but your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You see, like Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom was like the biggest kingdom in the entire world, almost encompassing the whole world. And then Daniel says, this is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree that God, the Most High, has issued against you. You will be driven away from the people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like an ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Can you picture that? It's like he's going to be like a, you know what an ox is? It's like a giant cow with like big horns. The king is going to actually act like a cow. He's going to live out in the field and eat grass, and he's going to be like a wild animal. And drenched with dew means he's going to have to sleep outside. Like, that's what's going to happen to him. It says, seven times or seven years will pass by until you acknowledge that God is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth and gives them to anyone He wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, this is Daniel still talking, uh, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed, that it may be then that your prosperity will continue. And then listen to this. All that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed, all of it happened to him. Twelve months later, so Daniel explains this scary dream, and now it's a whole year later. And listen to what Nebuchadnezzar says. He's out walking on the roof of his royal palace in Babylon, and he says, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? And even as these words were on his lips, A voice came from heaven, and immediately all that had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. And then, after those seven years, so now he's living like an animal, kind of out in the fields. After seven years, Nebuchadnezzar raised his eyes to heaven, and his sanity was restored. And then I, Nebuchadnezzar says, praised the Most High God, and I honored and glorified Him who lives forever. That's quite a story, isn't it? What do you think about that? What, do you, what did you hear in the story that you particularly remember? What do you think we're supposed to learn from this story? Anything? 
Can I share a few things that I learned from the story? It's a long story, I know, and there's not even any pictures, so that makes it rough. Some of the things I learned is that loving and serving God means that He has to be number one in our lives. Do you agree with that? Yeah, sometimes we want to be number one, but, but God wants to be number one in our life, and then really that's where the good life is really to be lived. Second, I think we need to thank Him for all that He's done, all that He's given us, all that we have, our families. We just always want to just thank God for what He's done for us. And when we have the opportunity, like Daniel did for Nebuchadnezzar, I think we want to do good. You don't even maybe know this, but Daniel was kind of a prisoner for Nebuchadnezzar. That wasn't even his home. Nebuchadnezzar brought him there, but Daniel still does these nice things and cares and is compassionate for Nebuchadnezzar. He doesn't want to see bad things happen to him, even though it wasn't like his best friend that he was doing it for. And, you know, as I thought about both of these stories, because there are really like two stories, Nebuchadnezzar is one story, Daniel's this other story. Um, you know, I think when we honor God, when we make Him number one and we continue to do those good things for other people, I think we actually reflect. People see what God is like in us. And that's a pretty cool thing, don't you think? Yeah? Is there anything else you want to share about the story? Do you want to sit up here or do you want to go back with your parents? Okay, then let's go back with our parents. Stay here. You'll have to work that out with mom and dad. I probably overstepped my bound right there. <clears throat> Thanks, guys. Were you listening to that? You know, when we started this series, we said in the first week that um, it really is hard to become, to remain, to continue to live as an authentic, faithful Christian in America today. Our pull to self, our ambitions, our appetites, the very attitudes, the loyalties in our lives are constantly being molded by our, our culture. This constant bombardment, it's like, it's like the heat and pressure to, to form us into something that honestly, even as cool and as amazing of all the opportunities and as blessed as we are, often run contrary to the kingdom of God. As I shared with the kids, I, I love this story in Daniel chapter 4, because really there's two stories wrapped up in it, and I think we need to hear both of them, especially as we want to live these courageous, faithful lives in our own day. I'd say the first of these two stories is the tale of Nebuchadnezzar, and I would just describe it like this, which kingdom will I serve, or what king will I serve? I think that's Nebuchadnezzar's story. And with Daniel, I think his story title would be something like, The Courage and Compassion to Serve Another. Let's just start with Nebuchadnezzar. You know, this is not the first time, if you remember, that he had one of these scary dreams. In chapter 2, if you remember, he has another dream, like he's this giant golden head, right? And it's all, this body has all of these different things, and ultimately it gets cut down. And if you remember, Nebuchadnezzar was a little... Um, nutty when it came to trusting other people. In those days, everyone was always trying to overthrow kings and kingdoms and, and people in power. So if you remember, he wouldn't even tell anyone the dream that he had. He just wanted someone to tell him the dream back and then interpret it to him. And if you couldn't do it, he just executed you, right? So kind of a tough customer, Nebuchadnezzar. Well, he has this second dream now that's really troubling him. And again, we see he needs help from somewhere else, which someone else, which just isn't his forte. 
I, I love that verse. You heard it in the, in the story we read to the kids where he says, is not this the great Babylon that I have built by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty? It's not in his nature to say, would you please help me with this? It's like this guy is used to uh, doing it himself of being the solo one to receive all the glory. He built a kingdom unto himself, and to himself he gave all the glory. Now, pause with me for a second, because I know this seems like an extreme example. Uh, I don't know, maybe some of you have the largest empire in the entire world right now, and you just kind of hide it, or you're, you're incognito here. Um, but if you think about it, do we not build these little kingdoms around our lives? Are, are, are we a little bit more like Nebuchadnezzar than maybe we th- think we are? I mean, one of the greatest battles, I think, are, is, the, is the battle within. It's this inward battle. It, it's the battle for your heart and soul and to really what will you be loyal to? What is it that you ultimately are serving? Who actually gets the glory? And what's most natural for us is to point to ourselves, to pat ourselves on the back for the successes, for maybe the wealth that we've built or the career that we have secured or whatever's going on. We tend to say, good job, Eric. Good job. Man, you did it, right? We're quick to give ourselves praise, which makes sense because it's most natural for us because this is what our culture does. It's a culture obsessed with self. And when Ever something butts up against the nice little kingdom or the world we've created, these walls that we've put up, all of a sudden when those start getting challenged, what do we do? Yeah, we attack, right? Or we or look, who can we execute, hopefully figuratively, you know? But man, do we get nasty when someone's trying to disrupt, take down, or discredit our little kingdom. We spent the weekend uh, a couple weeks ago at the men's conference Uh, really dealing with this question head on. What are the kingdoms that we've built up for ourselves, and is it time to lay those down? Is it time to open our hands and actually receive the kingdom that God wants to give us, which is far greater than anything we could ever build for ourselves? And I know for many of those men, it led to a time of confession and repentance, and some of them actually drew a line in the sand to just say, I want to live with God as number one, as ruler, as the true king of my life, building his kingdom not my own. I'm thankful for God's patience because He doesn't have to be patient. He's the holy God. He's the only one worthy of glory. But there's times when His patience maybe runs a little thin and He says, I'm just not going to be second or third or fourth or wherever it falls on your priority list. I need to be number one in your life. And God gets Nebuchadnezzar's attention. And so let me just ask you, as God was getting Nebuchadnezzar's uh, attention, how has God gotten your attention in your life? Or maybe how is He getting your attention right now? Throughout this morning, I'm just going to ask you a lot of questions. You can write these down. You can go on Facebook and see the the message in a couple days when Dave uh, uploads it. Uh, But I'm going to encourage you just to pause and sit with these questions. Maybe pull out your computer or a journal or a notepad or something and just write what you hear God saying. Because if we don't deal and answer with these questions, we could really end up in a place that we don't want to be where God is shaking the tree of our life, trying to get our attention. And I don't want to see any of you eating grass out in the yard like an ox. That would just be awkward. Um, 
Let me just reveal, let me just call out again how God gets Nebuchadnezzar's attention. First, uh, he has this dream or a vision. God, God gets his attention by inserting something into his mind, giving, having him see something that disturbs him. He has to take notice of it. Second, God uses the voice of another, the voice of Daniel, to speak into his life. Third, God gives Nebuchadnezzar time to let this small and to see how, what steps will he take, what trajectory will his life take because of what he sees and because of what he hears from those closest to him. And then when none of that comes to any avail, God cuts him down, shakes the tree of his life and cuts him down, um, but doesn't destroy him, which I think is, is interesting. Uh, I'm not saying that this is how God works every time he wants to get your attention, but I think if you would just pause and think back over the years when you have just now, maybe sometimes you have to look back, looking back, you see it, how God was getting your attention. What did God do in those moments? Not just what was the thing he was trying to get your attention about, but how did he do it? And what happened? Just maybe write it out step by step of how you responded, what you heard and everything. Because I, I would not be surprised if some of what God has done in your life actually reflects what he's done with Nebuchadnezzar and trying to get his attention. First, there's often a dream or a vision, or I would just say this, something noticeable that gets your attention. It could be a sense, it could be an uneasiness, it could be a stirring, something that's just gnawing at you that you just can't let go of. Sometimes I think it is a dream or a vision that God just inserts in your mind. But whatever it is, um, some of the questions I think we need to ask ourselves is, how did I or how am I, how am I just engaging this dream or this stirring that God has put in my life? Are you ignoring it? Are you seeking wisdom from others, trying to gain clarity? Are you praying into it? Are you listening more? Are you taking action with anything? Or maybe you're just you know, writing it off to bad food or something and not even wanting to deal with it. You just live behind the walls of your little kingdom, not willing to even let God penetrate. <clears throat> you know, we move so fast in this world, and I think one of the enemies is just the fragmentation, the busyness of our lives, that our culture has just seeded into it. And I, I think when we learn to just stop, I would even say take an hour this week, maybe two hours, and just give yourself the space to think about some of these questions I'm asking and, and just write out what you hear. Invite God to speak into it and, and, just, and just get out, articulate what those things are that He's doing or have done in your life. Second, um, don't be surprised if God uses a Daniel in your life to speak into your life. You know, we talked about it at the pastor's breakfast this morning, or breakfast with the pastor, that uh, there's this interesting scene in the, in the Garden of Eden. God is creating, 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 and it's good, and it's good, and then He creates Adam. He's like, it's very good. And then for the first time in all creation, something is not good. Do you remember what it is? It's not good for man to be alone. Isn't that interesting? We're, we're created for relationship. This is how God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit lives in this community of love together that, that we are created. We need one another. And when God is doing something in your life, I guarantee He's bringing others in to support, to encourage, to help bring correction, whatever it is. He, he uses us as some of His best instruments to speak into each other's life. 
And so friends or family members, co-workers, schoolmates, um, they speak into your life and they help bring clarity. And many times these voices do so out of just love and care and compassion because they want to see you flourish and thrive. The questions then are, are you the kind of person that will listen to others? Will you be vulnerable enough to give others access, to actually give them the power to speak into what they see in your life, to challenge some of those things behind the walls that we build to protect ourselves? You know, in a self-centered culture, we are often masters of keeping others out, but I think it's the wise that allow others in, in healthy ways just to say, would you just tell me what you see? Or this is what I, I, I sense God saying, can, can I just share this with you? And just even in, you know, as God is speaking to you, like, would you just share what you see or hear in this? After Daniel, God gives Nebuchadnezzar time to respond. You know, I think back to my own stirrings over the years, <clears throat> and uh, I just see how the gift of time was so important. Uh, I, we, when we, Swan and I were first married, I was... I uh, started out with uh, working with AT&T, and in three years, I was kind of like climbing pretty fast through the, the corporate ranks. I had this executive position, um, and I had this stirring, this gnawing. I could actually see a chapter of my life being reopened with baseball, but it was to serve as a missionary around the world through the vehicle of baseball. And so you kind of have a, you're a young 20-something with a career and finances doing this to say, I think God is calling us to the mission field where we'd have to raise all our support, right? So kind of your financial trajectory takes a sharp change of direction. But that stirring stayed for a while, and I invited some other people in, um, but I needed that time to kind of let it, I guess, season, mature in me before I was ready to take a step. And then we leave the mission field and we go on staff with the church in Ohio, it was another one of those stirrings that we just needed to listen and press in to God. And then from Ohio to this strange land of Chicago, and when I was throwing snowballs on Halloween with only a couple trick-or-treaters showing up, I was almost convinced that I had not heard right or one of these Daniels gave me bad wisdom or advice that maybe it was more like Charlotte, not Chicago, that way we were supposed to, to be in in the cold. Anyway. You know, I think, I think time is a gift. It's a gift of patience. It's God saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a little space because I want to see, will you take a step toward me? Because isn't it always so much better when we take the steps into the good things instead of being forced to do it? I mean, I think of my own kids, how much I just love when they do something that they're, you know, told to do. You know, I like the word obedience. So Anne's like, oh, that seems like a harsh word. I'm like, I don't know of another word for it. But when they do the good things, like Clay cleaned the kitchen last night, I was like, man, that makes me just beam as a father. But, you know, if he doesn't, then we got to take a different direction with that. And so I just think it's one of those gifts that God just says, I so want you to take a step toward me to listen to what I'm doing, to engage with what I'm doing in your life. And when we do, I think this is part of this abundant life that Jesus says. The adventure just gets better and better when we're walking with God and following His direction in our lives. But, you know, at last, Nebuchadnezzar didn't really listen to any of these things. And ultimately, the, the tree of his life gets shaken. And it gets cut out 
from underneath him with that bold statement. Even though he had this dream, he had the interpretation, he is going to give himself glory. And he credits only himself for all that he had, even though he was warned about it. And so what strikes me through this shaking, this pruning, this cutting off at the knees of Nebuchadnezzar, so to speak, is that God doesn't destroy him, which he could have. Remember, Babylon took Israel into captivity, right? They were taken out of the promised land that Nebuchadnezzar has just defiled God and defamed God over and over again, but yet God still leaves room. Instead of destroying him, actually gives room to bring his correction and, and alignment to his life. Have you ever thought about this in your own life? Or maybe the tree of your life has been shaken, where you've been, you felt like your legs have just been cut out from underneath you. And what could have destroyed you, those hardships actually, you find, become part of the saving grace that leads to a greater good in your life. But it's often when you yield to your ways. It's often as Nebuchadnezzar, when we finally look to God, that all of a sudden the pieces start to make sense in some way. You know, sometimes breakdowns are there as a means to lead us to greater breakthroughs. But it takes a lot of wisdom. This is why James says, you know, consider it pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, right? We have to walk by faith with God. So I'd encourage you, think on these questions and how God has or how God currently now is trying to get your attention to those stirrings, those longings, those maybe even dreams and visions He's put in your mind, and to lean into them. And ask yourself, are, are there other Daniels that are trying to speak into my life or maybe that I need to seek out? Right? And has God been giving me time? Has He been patient with me? But is it time for me to, to start taking some steps? I don't know. Which kingdom will you ultimately serve? <laughs> I think is part of the question that we get from Nebuchadnezzar's story that I think we need to ask ourselves as well. The second story, and I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on this, is uh, the story of Daniel speaking into Nebuchadnezzar's life. But, but what I want you to consider is maybe you're called to be that Daniel for someone else. Maybe that's part of the stirring what God is leading you to is that you would be a Daniel for another. <clears throat> the question is, will you? And what I hope you hear today, I guess let me share what's on this. this. This is what Daniel does with Nebuchadnezzar. First, he makes time to be present and to listen to him. I don't know if you caught that in the story, but Nebuchadnezzar says, and then Daniel came and was present to me, and I shared with him my dream, right? Daniel may not even be the biggest fan of Nebuchadnezzar, but he's present with him, present with him, and he listens to his story. And then secondly, Daniel speaks truth to him. In love, which wasn't an easy thing to do. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar kills pretty much everybody who makes him sad, upset, or doesn't tell him what he wants to hear. And so telling him that basically his kingdom's going to be taken away and he's going to run around like a crazy animal ox guy eating grass is not the thing you would tell Nebuchadnezzar, but Daniel does anyway. He has the courage to speak the truth, but he does so in love. I love the care and compassion that you, you sense that Daniel honestly doesn't want to see this happen to Nebuchadnezzar, and then he goes even the next step and encourages him, and just says, will you please do something different? Because he doesn't want to see this stuff happen to him. He goes the extra step to see Nebuchadnezzar actually continue to flourish and thrive, even though he's kind of an enemy. 
in his life. So I just say don't be surprised when the stirring you feel of God is that he's maybe even calling you to be that for Daniel or to be a Daniel in the life of someone else. What I hope you hear today is the call to be aware. It's a call to awareness. It's a call to pay attention to what God is doing in your life. And as you journey today, and if God gives us more days to come, would you just, let me encourage you just to stop and look and listen and reflect and take action on those things that God has placed on your heart where He's trying to get your attention. And often you'll need to have others around you to take those steps. That's why we are so passionate about community here. But I'll just leave you with two more questions. And and these are two questions I, I believe you have to ask and you have to answer. And they're simply this. What in the world is God doing right here, right now? And the second one is, what in the world would I, will I do in response to what God is doing? Friends, the way you answer these two questions, it determines in a very real way the character of your faith and the direction of your life. Would you pray with me? God, we just thank you for your scriptures, your word, the, even the story we read from Daniel's life. God, where we're faced with really two stories, will we serve you? Will we look to you as our true king, wanting to build your kingdom? Or God, will we seek to build our own, putting you in a lower rung in our life? And God, will we allow others to speak into our life? And will we allow ourselves to be used to fulfill your purposes and others, to speak into their life. God, we've asked a lot of questions, and I just pray both for myself and for those gathered here, for those that will watch this later. Um, God, give us the discipline just to take some time to listen, to reflect, to write, to invite others in. Because, God, we know that you love us. We know you want to see us flourish and thrive for your glory, for your kingdom's purposes. And so, God, may we not go the way of Nebuchadnezzar, but, God, may we be found as authentic followers of you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.